real. <laughs> and you can be seated. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Corey. Thank you. Thank you. God is good. Amen. You know, uh, Pastor John had asked me about preaching when I got back. And um, I'm excited when I go on vacation. I'm always excited when I get to come home. Uh, there's just something about being in the house where God's put you. You know, there's just something about it. I was talking to somebody just recently, and they, uh, they, we were at a dinner thing for my sister for her birthday. Uh, tomorrow's Pastor Chris's birthday, by the way. So if you see her, be sure and tell her happy birthday. I won't tell you her age because I don't know. She changes it every year to whatever she feels like. And uh, all I know is that I'm not allowed to tell mine because she tells people how far apart she is from me. So I had to stop telling mine so nobody know how old she was. Hallelujah. But uh, my, this is my younger sister and lady was there and she said um, she was talking about they had moved here a few years ago and they just never found a home like the church that they were in where they came from. You know, there's just something about the house where God has you. And I encourage you tonight, if you're here and you're visiting, I, I don't really uh, know that, of anybody. How many visitors do we have? I wasn't in here, back here. Hi, good to have you, and good to have you. Uh, find the place where, where God has for you, because in that house, you can hear and receive. And uh, just in May, Pastor John asked me to share a couple of times. And uh, for those of you that don't know, maybe you're here. I'm Pastor John's mother. I'm claiming him today. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was good in Florida, so I'm on it. And that's his father right there. And so, but uh, no, he's, he's a wonderful son. And uh, he has a wonderful father. By the way, this Sunday, Father's Day, bring a friend, bring a, bring a father, bring a, a, a man who maybe doesn't have anybody else who cares about him because I know that uh, John will have a good word for the men of this church this Sunday. But as I was listening to her and she was talking about not having, finding that place, and she said to me, uh, we're thinking about coming and visiting your church. You know, when you're in the house where God has you, he's got words for you that apply to your life right where you are. And I believe tonight the word that God's going to share with you applies to your life if you're a part of this body. And uh, in May, when Pastor John asked me to share, I shared a couple of times and um, and the messages were on give it up for Jesus. And uh, truthfully, I when I was preparing this message for tonight, I had forgotten all about what I preached in May. Now, you may say, you can't forget that. Well, it's not because I'm old. It's just because I've done a lot of things since then. I wasn't really thinking about a continuing series, kind of like Pastor Corey said on Sunday. By the way, if you didn't hear Pastor Corey's, you need to hear that message. Get the CD or get online and hear it. But um, anyway, so, you know, I, I believe that the word God has tonight ties into that message that or those two messages, give it up for Jesus, because the title he gave me, and it was when I was sitting here listening to, uh, to Corey on Sunday, and it was, uh, they cannot take it away if you give it up. Everybody say, they cannot take it away if you give it up. And uh, I was reminded of a story as he was sharing and he was talking about in uh, Isaiah 58, particularly about uh, letting the oppressed go free and forgiving people and letting people go. And, and really just uh, if you have offenses and things like that in your life, taking, taking it up with God for, your, for you and letting that person go because you really can't change the other person. You can't really change circumstances. But you can change yourself with the power of God and understanding what God's saying. And so as I was thinking about that, I had a situation once in counseling that, that what I'm teaching tonight applied to. And immediately I remembered that. 
And so what I'm going to share with you tonight has to do with that. And if you turn to John 10, we're going to read a scripture. And there's no greater example uh, in the word of God than Jesus. He was, he was the ultimate example for us of who we're supposed to be like. God sent him on purpose to be that so we could learn how God wants us to live as his children. That was his son, and his son was an example to us of what we can do as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And in John 10, 11, we're going to begin there. It says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He gives his life. He, he lets go of his own life. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf scatters them, attacks them, and scatters the flock. And then it goes on. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. He begins to identify himself. And he says, I know my own sheep, and they know me. And then he says, just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. He was speaking of the Gentiles not just the Jewish people, but the Gentiles that would eventually come into the kingdom of God. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. That's very important. He gave his life, but in giving his life, it would give him the opportunity to take it up again in a better way for us, he said, because he said, if I don't go to the Father, it won't be as good for you as it would be if I go. And so he, what he was getting ready to do, even though it looked like he was, he was giving it up, was actually going to be a benefit in the end for him and for us. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority, everybody say authority, to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. For this is what my Father has commanded. Now, I want to read to you in John 19. Uh, I, I do a different Bible reading than the one that we have here at the church just because I read through the Bible every year and I like to get something different. But do you remember in John chapter 19, Pilate said to Jesus, uh, are you not speaking to me? Because he had given a question to Jesus and Jesus didn't answer him. He was silent. And so Pilate, you know, he's, he's in charge. He says, do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? And Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. What he was saying was, you can't take my life because I give it away. And it's already been spoken by the Father who is above. You know, when it says in John 14 that uh, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We know John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his Son. Nobody took his Son. He gave his Son. They didn't take his life on Calvary. Jesus gave his life on Calvary. Now, let me show you something that God showed me in just recently speaking to me along these lines. And it's John chapter 14, which, uh, you know, the scripture that's in 27 that says, um, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give to you. Uh, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I'm going away 
and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. Now this next verse, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world. Everybody say the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. And the Lord said to me, the reason he has nothing in him is because the devil can take nothing from him because he gives it away. Now, this is important tonight because in all of us, in our walk with the Lord, and especially as I've grown in the Lord, there have been many opportunities. And in the other two messages I shared about this, I shared stories in my life where God uh, asked me to give up things or to let go of things or do things. And, uh, and, and I believe we're getting ready to have to really let go of ourselves. Do you know why I believe that? It's because 2 Timothy 3 says, in the last days there will be perilous times, and people will be lovers of themselves. And, and so um, even though it says Christ laid down who he was, it says that in Philippians chapter 2, laid down his identity as the Son of God in order to become who he needed to be, so that we could become eventually who we were called to be. Do you get that? But we're going to have to be like him. Everybody say, be like him. And the way we become like him is when we are in a position where we are able to say, they cannot take it because I give it away. And I believe there's going to be opportunities where we're going to have to let go of things. We're going to have to be willing to walk a walk or do a thing that God asks. Because that's what he's continually done with me in my life. And, and when uh, Pastor Corey was preaching, he said he talked about love. And he talked about, uh, you know, we love God. That's why we serve God. Jesus' whole motivation for loving people, well, I mean, serving people and taking care of people was his love. Everybody say his love. The same as God's motivation was love. And God is love. And God is in us. And he has shed abroad in our hearts, it says, the love. But how do we learn to walk in that kind of love? By not taking, by not, you know, say, take it. Just take it. I give it away. I, I, you, don't have to, you don't have to twist my arm. I, I give that away. I, I give preference to other people because it, it's not about me. It's, it's about who he is. Uh, you know, I think there's a, a, a form of Christianity that's coming in the earth where even though we walk in that kind of love, we have a greater power and a greater voice than we would if we demanded who we are. Does that make sense? And so to become less will make us become more. And uh, as I was looking at this, you know, um, Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are not our ways. Now, it also says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that we can know his ways because of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. And uh, I, this Sunday, I start teaching a class at 1130 on the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's, a, it's a Victory Bible Institute class. If, if you're interested in coming, it talks about knowing what the Holy Spirit uh, is about, who he is, what he does in our lives. And this is critical because to love like Jesus loved, you have to love through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through our own ability. And so uh, as I was looking at this scripture, uh, God began to speak to me that it's not we as the church, because of what's happening in the earth, cannot be identified as Christians only because we go to church. 
We have to be identified now by the way we live our lives. Because in the, in the earth, and it's going to bring conflict. Everybody say conflict. It's not going to bring everything's okay. And, uh, and, and God had been speaking to me for the last couple of years about the word relevant because everything is about relevant, be relevant, be relevant. And he began to speak to me. And as I was reading, I'm also in Proverbs in my reading, and it's Proverbs 4, talks about um, keeping the word of God, pay attention to my word, incline your ears to my sayings. That's to know his ways and his thoughts. That's to understand the way he's going to do it. And, and this is going to be so strange to the world. I mean, the power that's connected to love is greater than any power available on the face of the earth. But to get there means that there's nothing of us and everything of him. And, and so the process is, is not always as pleasant as we'd like it to be. And, but I believe we're going to have to do it in order to be able to see what we believe we're believing for. And I know it's coming. It's that miracle power of God. And, and so as I was reading this, it talks about keep the word in your heart and, and, you know, all these things we have to do. But in this Bible that I'm studying again this year at God's Direction, it's called a leadership Bible. It has a lot of John Maxwell stuff in it. But it's, it identifies it with Scripture, not just uh, natural things, but the word, what happens in the word. It says leaders who last, everybody say, that's me. Do not merely react to their culture. They base their leadership on timeless and universal principles. Everybody say principles. And love is the greatest principle God has given to the church, that we walk with the love of God, that we talk with the love of God, that we act with the love of God. And it goes on and it says, they remain relevant because they marry cultural context to timeless truths. And uh, this morning when I woke up, I heard this. And uh, it just made me laugh. It was about 5.30. But I, I, the Lord just said to me, I am, you know, the I am, it was like big letters. I am relevant, but I don't blend in. I am relevant, but I don't blend in. There's coming a separation between truth and falsehood like we've never seen it before. And there will be confrontation. Everybody say confrontation. But the confrontation won't be a fight. It's going to be the love of God that comes in, into the world that brings such a power that people will cry out for that love. They'll cry out for Jesus. It won't be somebody trying to convince them. that Holy Spirit will be there and change their life. Now, I want to give you a few examples because um, when I was in Florida, of course, in Florida, my husband and I, we read books that have to do with people's lives, and it always seems like God gives us a book for that time. His one book that he's been reading is This One Thing, and it's uh, the man that uh, originally started Samaritan's Purse. It was a fascinating book. And then he ended up with this book, spiritual as it is, Phil Jackson, who had 11 world championship rings for a reason. He was a good coach. Everybody say a good coach. And uh, he told me this story when I was sitting on the beach, Bill did, that he read in here. And uh, how many of you know Michael Jordan? Well, maybe I'll just show you. Go ahead, just play that video. How many of you recognize this? What's about to happen? The Bulls are coming. Amen, they are. And then there's this team. Everybody say team. This team that comes out. And I wanted you to see this because I'm going to tell you the story. Scotty Pippen. And now, the starting lineup for your world championship 
that he's getting ready to use. Everybody has to play their position. Everybody has to be. And uh, oftentimes where we run into the most challenges is uh, trying to shift people's positions in the church or shift positions in a job or shift positions anywhere. And, uh, and, and so it has to become a team concept. And, and I like this story because I believe Phil, Phil Jackson was a good coach. Uh, you don't get 11 rings uh, even if you have good players unless you've got somebody that can put those players together and cause them to play together for what has to happen. And uh, so the first thing that happened was when he was the coach – uh, he he felt like Michael Jordan needed to decrease. Now, how many of you know when you're like the number one guy on the team, you know, it's not like I'm into decreasing so everybody else can increase? Everybody say, <laughs> they can't take it away if you give it up, amen? And so uh, he, he, he wanted to tell Michael that he had this plan that he thought would work. And uh, he, he explained it to Michael, and, of course, it says uh, Michael studied me for a few minutes and said, okay, thanks, and walked away. So, obviously, he didn't get it the first time. Amen. But God, uh, you know, he doesn't, we don't always get it the first time, but he continues till we get it. And, uh, and so, he went back again later. Now, in between time, he began to work with Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen was a player who, who didn't need a lot of attention. I mean, he was, he was a player. But, but the whole concept was we need to, we need to play as a team, not as one man that everybody else watches do the job. Because there's times when you're going to not have that advantage. How many of you have watched sports where, you know, it doesn't take them long to figure who to cover up. Now, Michael Jordan was phenomenal. He could get out of anything. But, you know, in, in the kingdom of God, God's got people that he wants to place and position and move. And he puts people in and out of position so that new people can learn and then the other person isn't doing it for a while and then another person is. And, and you know, when we become a person who has to be who we think we ought to be, that's when the team can't function. And so, and what happens is we are not denying ourselves. We're not laying down our life. We're not walking in love, and so there's no power. So long story short, um, he went to Michael Jordan, and he said, and this is after he has won three years in a row, the number one player with the most points scored, and said, hey, we need you to score less. And uh, he, he still wasn't buying into that. He said, well, I guess. He, he, but he didn't get upset. He just said, well, I guess I could, I could maybe only make, what did he say in here? I could only make 32 points. I'll, I just make 32, eight each quarter. And he said, well, this is what we had in mind, that for the first three quarters, you kind of lay back. And then in the fourth quarter, if we need your points, you make them. So we can develop the rest of the team. Well, he wasn't very excited about it, but he did it. Meanwhile, Scotty Pippen became the one that became, how many of you know, he became a great leader on that team as well. It became Pippen and Michael Jordan. But Pippen was the one that everybody could go to because he wasn't about him doing it. He was about the team doing it. But in the end, Michael did it. But, you know, I, I think of it as that, that thing that the Lord gave me about marrying culture to the principles. Michael, he said in the end, he would do it. And he did. He did it. But he, uh, at one point, the guy that was trying to really work with him, this guy named Tex, said to him, there's no I in the word team. Everybody say principle. But Michael said, well, but there is in the word win. 
relevant. Hallelujah. So, and Phil, Phil Jackson said, I get both. I get both. You know, it, God has a way of making everything work together. Uh, the reason I share this story is I, I, I know that in the world, and you hear kids say this all the time, that is not fair. How many of your kids have ever said, that is not fair? You didn't do it to so-and-so, now why are you doing it to me? And uh, I can just tell you, God doesn't play fair. He, he plays to win. And it doesn't always seem fair sometimes. And uh, this woman came to me a few years ago, and she said um, that she had she'd given away everything to go take care of her dad, given up her house, given up everything, and uh, moved her family in with the dad, took care of the dad. About three years into this, the father passed away. And uh, everybody in the family was glad for her to take care of the dad. But then when he passed away, everybody wanted a piece of the house. And they just wanted her out. Uh, She could have her little piece of the pie, but, you know, we're selling the house because we're all going to get a part of that money. And she came in, and she was crying and upset, and, you know, I'm supposed to be having a word, you know, from God to help her. And I had no word. I thought, well, you know, we need to just slap them all a little around. I mean, you know, this is wrong. But you can't say that as the pastor of the church. You have to be nicer. You have to find something spiritual. And so, you know, I began to pray and ask God, what do we say? What do I say? And uh, so I said, well, let's just pray. And I started praying the Holy Spirit, and I was praying. And I heard this. Tell her to sow the house. I thought she isn't going to like that. Could we have something else? Because that is really not going to be a good one. But that's when I heard this. They, if, don't let him take it away. There'll be nothing left. Sow it, and you have a harvest. Everybody say the counsel of the Lord. And so I told her. Well, she cried harder, but she knew the principles of God. Now, the people that she was working with were all Christians. These are brothers, and real brothers and sisters. It was a very hard walk, but she did it. And eventually, I ran into her. They, they weren't here for a while at season in this town, but I ran into her at a thing at Purdue once. God had totally restored them, totally restored them, and they were blessed. I believe because she did that. She said, okay, I'll pray it. I don't feel like it, but I will pray it with you. And we prayed and agreed. I learned something that day from that lady that uh, it, it takes a lot of love to sow something. That's not the right thing in the natural. It was not the right thing. And it was people. There's a scripture in uh, Psalm 55. God gave it to me quite a while back. I ran into a situation with with another person that was a believer, and it was a hard situation. And it said, I would have been all right, but this person who betrayed me was someone that I went to the church with, that I went. You can read it in, uh, in in that Psalm 55. And so I couldn't get over it. Because they, you know, this, this was somebody that was a confidant. Uh, I believe we're going to have opportunities like that. I believe the devil's going to increase them greatly because there's nothing that separates people more that love each other than someone feeling like they didn't treat them right. And it's the enemy's trick to get in and destroy. Um, this, this is another example. Back in the very beginning when Bill and I were in ministry, uh, we weren't in ministry yet. Pastor Bill was still running the employment office. And uh, I got hired to work in a ministry because the man that was the, the head of that ministry said, I see in you the anointing of God. Well, I didn't see anything in myself. 
But he held a meeting. He was an evangelist. He held a meeting, and Bill and I went, and, and he had me come up and lay hands on people. And I mean, I didn't even touch them, and they were out under the power of God, just fell under the power of God. I didn't even know what it was. I had to ask him. But, you, I mean, it was obvious. I could feel it. You know, you could feel that anointing, but I didn't know what any of that was. I didn't know that God ministered to people. I didn't know God set people free. Like, I didn't know any of that. But I couldn't sleep at night. Every time, whenever I tried to go to sleep at night, I couldn't sleep, and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't sleep. One morning, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, and I, I just was beside myself. And a friend of mine had said, because we had moved to Tulsa, she said, I'm going to give you the name of a lady. And if you ever need help, you call this woman. And I thought, I can't call this woman at 4.30 in the morning, but I am beside myself because I can't figure out why I can't sleep. I, I like doing this job, but I feel like something's wrong. But how could it be wrong if this guy thinks I should be in it? And Bill said he thought I should be in that job. And, and so I was just trying to do it. And I called her and... She said to me, John chapter 12, she said, but this is what she said first. She said, I've been up for 15 minutes. God told me that there was someone who would be calling me. And I was to give them this word. And you know what she gave me? The scripture that says, unless the grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, there can be no fruit. And the Lord, she, she said, I think maybe the Lord doesn't want you doing this job. Can you help your husband with what he does? And I said, yes, but I don't want to. But I could do nothing else. I could do nothing else. I told Pastor Bill, I went in the bedroom, I woke him up, and I said, I have to quit this job because God wants me to help you. And Bill began to weep. And he said to me, well, I didn't want to ask you to help me if God really needed you. But God needed me to help him. We wouldn't be where we were today if that step hadn't happened. And it's happened over and over again. Everybody say, they can't take it away if you give it up. And, and when you give up, what you do, um, and I'm going to close with this and pray for you tonight. Um, because I'm in the book of John and I got to John 21. Um, remember when Peter denied Jesus three times? But Jesus said he was going to. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. He didn't say, and after that, you're out. Because, you know, I have invested a lot of time in you, brother. How, how many of you know Peter was quite a job? Peter wasn't like the easiest disciple, if you read it, you know. John was the one that loved God, loved Jesus. He called himself the beloved disciple, which I'm sure Peter was just, you know. Because the last thing Peter said was, well, what about him? He still hadn't gotten over it. He still hadn't gotten over it. Even after God tried to work with him through Jesus speaking to him, he still wasn't over it. What about him? What's he going to get to do? And he said, what business is that of yours? See, uh, they can't take it away if you give it up. And that's the only position of power. It's the only position of power. The reason I know it is because when I was reading John 21, I, I, today I, or yesterday I thought, well, you know, look at that. Jesus said to John, or I mean, uh, Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Why, why that? Do you love me? Why did he say that? And then he, Peter said, yeah, I love you. And so he said again, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. 
He said that all three times, feed my sheep. And Peter said, I, I love you. I I'll feed your sheep. And the third time he asked again, he, I will, I'll feed your sheep. I love you. Now, some, you know, it says that the first two loves were phileo, friendship love. The last one was agape. And God said to me, see, I couldn't let him lead unless he could love like me. Because he wouldn't have any power to take care of the sheep. He had to be willing to give up his life. Regardless. Before he denied him. But how many of you know out of that denial, Peter learned something. Peter learned something. So when God had Jesus ask him, do you love me? Because he had to be like the father. He had to be like the father because he was going to be there on the day of Pentecost. And he was going to be the one after denying Christ who had to stand up and say, this is that. This is that. This is what it's all about. He had to lead the church. So he had to love like Jesus did. And you know what? He became that leader. He became that leader. I believe that God's asking us to uh, learn. It's, it's a process. It's a process. In, in situations, sometimes it is uh, with your children. Let them go. Oh, that's a horrible word. When you know they're not going the right way. But God says, let them go. If you let them go, then I can touch them. You let them go. But if you're hanging on to them, say, don't take them away. Then the enemy is going to have a place to get them. It can apply in many things in life. I ask God to show you where it applies in yours tonight. But if you'll stand with me, I want to pray for you tonight. I want to especially pray. Um, I, I felt to pray for this. You know, um, we took communion and um, Jesus had Peter deny him. But Judas betrayed him. Judas betrayed him. And uh, I, I don't know who you are here. If you bow your head and close your eyes. I do know this. The Holy Spirit wants to minister to you. Um, almost always betrayal involves both people. From my experience in counseling. Uh, it doesn't. Both people think they've been betrayed. When really the culprit is the enemy. But what Pastor Corey said is true. The only one who can fix that is the Lord. Because when people feel betrayed. Going to the other person doesn't usually solve it. In fact, sometimes it makes it worse. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.